You're listening to Experience This, a show about the emerging experience economy with your host, Tom Young. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm sitting here. This is Tom Young sitting here with Karen Baja. We've got two special guests in our uh, studio today. Hey, Tom, so, how's it going? All right. We have Sean Uman and Wendy Azevedo from our team. And uh, today we're going to talk about... Um, Hey, say say hello, guys. How's it going, guys? How's it going? Hey, guys. Hey, glad to be here. So we're going to continue our conversation about the experience economy. And one of the things we want to talk about, the reason we asked Sean and Wendy to join us as well, is when we talk about driving cool experiences, you know, the one ingredient that, that we found in our discussions and our uh, research with people is, is the fact that good experiences are almost always have a high social quotient. I mean, you can go do things by yourself. And Sean's going to, can, we can ask him a couple things about some of his recent trips he did by himself. But I think even when you deconstruct that a little bit, they're highly social. Yeah. And I think, so the, when you do things, you do them with your friends and your family and, and people, it's a lot more fun than if you do it by yourself. Not to say you can't do things by yourself, but it's just not as good. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, you were just witnessing the madness that took place about an hour ago. Sean and I were frantically trying to get tickets for the Sundance Movie Festival, which is coming up this weekend. And at noon today, they released tickets. So it was almost the equivalent of trying to get ye- Yeezys. Yep. I said it right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I had to just hit the refresh button. So even the journey of getting tickets with a group of friends is way more fun, even though we didn't get tickets to all the movies we wanted to go to. Right. It was a lot more enjoyable than if I had to sit there and do that by myself. So you guys have a, you, you two of you are going to Sundance this, you're leaving Thursday, right? Yeah, we yeah. head out Thursday evening. And how many are in the entourage? Seven of, nine of us. So it's it's you two plus Rohan and then a few other friends that we don't know about. Yeah, one of our um, friends is a producer, so it's his film. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we've got a couple other folks in the group, but so trying to secure tickets for a group of nine is a feat in itself for Sundance. Yeah. That's usually some of the challenges with the group trips that I've found. At least, it's really hard to get coordinated with everyone. You know. <laughs> yeah. So so. We talked a little bit about that with um, the, the notion of spontaneity versus planned mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, I tend to be uh, spontan- spontaneity. Spontaneous. What's the word, Sean? Spontaneous. <laughs> spontaneous. Sorry, I do that. I just got a little tongue-tied there. Um, I tend to be spontaneous, and as a result, I, I probably miss out on some of the things that require a lot of planning. My college roommate was at the other end of the spectrum. He planned everything and was not spontaneous at all. And uh, and, it, and we had a good mix together, right? Because mm-hmm. I would say things like, Wayne, let's go to Florida like in 10 minutes. And we did stuff like that. Uh, on that particular trip, we only made it to Williamsburg, Virginia, <laughs> before we regretted that decision. <laughs> Uh, but he would plan all kinds of cool stuff. And as a result, we did a lot of fun things that he planned. And we did a lot of fun things that I was spontaneous about. Um, so one of the things also that helps with the spontaneous trips being kind of cool is usually you have much lower expectations. So it's much easier for a trip like that to be, you know, come out to be awesome because you weren't really expecting anything. You just kind of did it last minute. Whereas when you plan a lot of things, 
I feel like you go in with a lot more expectation. It's easier to be let down. Yeah. So Karen and I, we talked about this uh, on our last show. We took a trip to the the heart of Tennessee. Oh. It was a last-minute trip. And we really planned nothing. I mean, when I say we planned nothing, we just decided to go. Mm-hmm. And it was TJ, Bart, Karen, and I. And we met at a casino in Pennsylvania, the four of us. <laughs> and we get in the car, and we drive in my old uh, beat-up SUV that I had back then. And we had no idea where we were going to stay, where we were even going. We were just we were driving south to where the eclipse line was. Yeah, we 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 booked the hotel probably an hour away from when we got to the hotel. Oh, if that. We were just driving down 81 in Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley. We got just outside of Roanoke and well, we just booked it from the road. But you know, like Karen didn't bring her ID. <laughs> Which which was awesome because... She never has her ID. Every, she doesn't have her wallet, ever. It's every, everything on her phone now. Is this part of the podcast? I don't know, but... You're, you're a little older than 21, but you got your ID checked everywhere. Yeah. And we had to sneak you some beers. It was, uh, it was crazy. Oh, we didn't get in at that Korean place, remember? Okay, that city? was in New York. An isolated, separate incident. Yeah. Because I didn't have my ID. How is that even possible? No idea. Anyway, so but we, I, I think the social quotient is a, is a, a big effort. We, the, the four of us and a bunch of others, we did that trip to the, uh, Starbucks and uh, the, uh, the, the Samsung Experience Store and Restoration Hardware. We had a good time with that. That was a fun day, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it kind of keeps going back to the point that we talk about a lot, that humans at, at just a core level – need to engage with each other. Um, and I know you were saying when you went to, I think it was on your trip to Turkey, mm-hmm. you went by yourself, but you ended up getting concert tickets with someone that was there. Yeah. And so even when you're traveling by yourself, you're still meeting people. Yeah. Right? So it's there's also um, maybe something that helps with that spontaneity thing or makes the trip by yourself kind of cool is it's all a surprise. You know, like you don't know what to expect whatsoever. Yeah. And there's a little bit of, I don't know, kind of giddiness about it. When you go into, when you, when you guys went on your trip to see the eclipse, right? You, you just kind of did it and you're kind of like yeah. antsy about what's going to happen. So that there's a, there's a value in that. There was nothing planned more than 30, 60 minutes out. Which is great. And I, I, we had, that trip was a, a 10. I mean, it was a great, we had a great time. So we, when we drove down to Roanoke, we ended up staying at a, hotel that Karen lived at <laughs> for work which was wild this lady wow. came up to me when we were leaving yeah and she's like I remember you from when you stayed here for work yeah it was wild what so we were at the Sheraton in Roanoke <laughs> yeah and uh, I just had a bunch of points and I booked three rooms Bart and TJ shacked up I got a room and Karen got her own room she didn't have her ID so I had to get three rooms <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's like I was hauling terrorists somewhere <laughs> but then the next day we went to uh, Cracker Barrel oh my god <laughs> yeah and uh, I don't think Karen saw so much bacon <laughs> I think I saw a lot of things I've bacon ever and, seen bacon and rednecks and coffee at McDonald's that was uh, the best was the, the there was a massive traffic jam <laughs> On the way out. <laughs> on the way out. And we were trying to figure out the, what was going on. You would have thought that there was a horrific accident that had taken place or God knows what. 
But there's actually, can we say this on the podcast? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> there was a, a house on the side of the highway uh-huh. that was basically had. Um, it was a warehouse. It was a warehouse <laughs> that had all this paraphernalia of. Um, it was it was basically pro-Trump paraphernalia and. It was Jesus and, and Trump, and, and they were selling lots and oh, lots and of guns, ammo and guns. Guns, guns. Okay. And I was like, where are we? <laughs> and how much further till Manhattan? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were not, we must have been on another planet. But the traffic was so bad getting out of the eclipse. Like we didn't when we went down to the eclipse, we didn't know. You know, we had the line. We, we had the map from NASA. And so we were using it to decide where to go. We wanted to get right directly under the center line. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we just, we weren't sure where the clouds are going to be. And, you know, people book way in advance, like they planned the trip, and I suppose it's spot. They went to Nashville, and it was cloudy. You couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. So we were looking at the cloud cover. We could have gone to Charlotte. We, went, we ended up in this town called Spring City, Tennessee, which was not a very, very small town in Tennessee. But when we got in there, we end up at this hippie encampment at some park, and it was a lot of people there, but it was a perfect place to see it. Yeah, it was really and, nice. Uh, but everyone, so people got there, they trickle in over the weekend, and then they all leave at the same time. Right. Because as soon as it's over, it's like, all it's right, over, it's yeah. over, let's get out of here. And uh, that's the trap. The traffic jam was so bad, we couldn't get back. So on the way back, spontaneously, we. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I think we stopped at uh, we we stopped at a I think it was a Radisson on the way back. That's right. We stayed in the hotel another night. Yeah, I forgot about that because it got so late. Oh yeah, murders were definitely committed. At this yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was one of those hotels yeah. where if you're gonna dump a body, it was probably dumped. But the next day we drove and we stopped at the caverns, oh, the Luray Caverns. Yeah, that was awesome. Did a client call and then we took a tour of the caverns. It was great. And then we drove and stopped at Hershey, Pennsylvania and went on a brewery tour. Yeah, Trogues Brewery. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But the, the, you're right, Sean. I think I never really thought of it as a, one of the key ingredients of spontaneity is lowered expectations. Yep. And uh, Almost no expectations. Almost none, yeah. And almost usually it's the other way around. You're a little bit you have a little bit of fear that things could just be really bad. But almost yeah. always they never are. You know, like, it's rare that you just have a terrible experience when you just go on vacation by yourself. And things, yeah. will, things for whatever reason, usually fall so into we, place. So what we, we did last week, we ended up at Italy, right? Yeah. Uh, who We did that trip. Uh, what, what were we doing that day? I forget. I th- oh, it was, uh, you guys had the conference in the morning. The NRF conference. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that, we all met up and um, decided there was another stop on the experience tour. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we, we ended up at Italy, right. all of us. Now, Wendy, did you enjoy Italy? I did. It was what did really... you like about it? Um, I liked it was... There was a shopping experience along with a restaurant experience kind of combined into one... So it wasn't just like you're sitting at a table of four. You felt there was more going on, more to look at, more to observe, more interactive in that different olives, for instance, that I haven't seen or can't see all the time. You can try them, look, buy them. Yeah. And I just thought it was 
That's a fun Doesn't, day. Yeah, there's a that, that, it's good because if you've got a group of people, um, you're not really bound to just sit there and forced to have a conversation, which is also nice. Right. But you can get up, take a walk, come back to the table, go check something out, talk about it. Right. Yes, absolutely. And it seems like that's that model is being used at um, malls in New Jersey, like the Short Hills Mall mm-hmm. has a cafeteria like experience, maybe not of a marketplace, but where it's um, an open space, there's tables and they've combined different little restaurants all in one kind of sort of marketplace grouping, yeah. almost cafeteria style. And it seemed pretty packed. So we had an, uh, a trip last, was it, it was last year, right? Was it this year? Two. Yeah, 2018. We did our Bermuda trip. Yeah. That was a planned trip. Yeah, in June. Yeah. Right. And we took basically the whole team and, and, and some friends that come with us. That was a fun trip. That was extremely fun. So I've been on a lot of cruises. That was a lot more fun because I've never been on a cruise like in that situation where you had a lot of people usually going with one other person or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, three or four people. But we had, I think, a dozen people, right, on that. Yeah, I think there was 12, 12 of us. But again, planning uh, planning for 12 people becomes difficult. And you guys are going to experience that this weekend when you go to Sundance. Yeah. Okay. And what I found when you grow with large groups is you need to, to plan the bookends of the trip and one, um, maybe two things during the day, and then it's, people do whatever they want to do. Yep, I was just telling you, too, there's yeah. probably going to be, especially with this kind of thing that we're going to, where there's just movies playing at all different times, and everyone's got different interests and want to see different movies. There's no way we're going to all be coordinated yeah. and all go watch 10, you know, 10 of us watch one movie together. So that, that's the way it was on the when we were on the boat. People right. were doing their own thing, and then right. we, we would just meet for dinner. Mm-hmm. And if people bumped into each other, it was not that big a boat. We wouldn't see each other. Yeah, right. You could find out what other people are doing, but it wasn't like we all have to do this, we all have to do that. Yeah, uh, The only time was we met for dinner, and that was great. I used to go to the Super Bowl every year. I did it for about 10 years. Uh, when I say go to the Super Bowl, I went to Vegas to watch the Super Bowl. with Anywhere from a dozen to 20 guys. Mm-hmm. And the trip was bookended. And the dinners were planned. That was it. Yeah. And so I, the, the restaurants they chose are not restaurants I necessarily would have gone to, mm-hmm. but it was a social thing and it was worth it for the whole thing. It was, we had a great time. I think the actual, I don't think you should ever be on one end of the spectrum either way. Like for me, I think the perfect balance is to have some things planned. Like I always plan, you know, obviously where I want to go. I always have a place to stay. Because those are things that, you know, if that, those go wrong, it'll be really bad. Like, if I don't have a place to stay, I don't find a place, I'm in some motel or something, that wouldn't be good. So a certain level of planning is good, but I like to leave a lot of things open just so that whatever happens when I'm there, I can, I'm available for. So like that concert, it was because I didn't have anything planned that I could say, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. You know, so I love to leave just like kind of gaps where like, I'll figure it out when I get there. I've taken the... uh the spontaneity to the level that you're talking about, and it's not going well all the time. Really? Where, you know, I went to um, went to New York, mm-hmm. and for some, hey, let's just go. We'll just figure it out when we get there. Yeah. Couldn't get a room. Oh. Mm. And then, See, this is what I'm saying. Those kind then, of things. And then we had, to, we had to come back. 
Because <laughs> oh, yeah. the closest room was like New Brunswick, which is like 15 minutes from my house here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why, the, why the hell would we go to New Brunswick? <laughs> so yeah. I wanted to stay in Manhattan, but you just couldn't get a room. And it was just one of those things. We waited to the last minute and it's not, not always good. So Yeah. The, the living thing is uh, something I always do ahead of time. So even when I travel abroad, hostels are a big thing where even though the price difference isn't that much between hostels, the experience difference is huge. Give me an mm. example. What do you mean? So the gr best hostel I've ever stayed at, and this is uh, this has gotten ranked as number one in the world for many many years, and it is it is my favorite hostel by far. I've probably gone there five times already in Portugal, Lisbon. It's called Home Lisbon Hostel, and when you go, there's they've just almost planned every part of it just perfectly. Like you come in, they welcome you with like a little shot of sangria. What's the demographic of who goes to the hostel? So it's actually funny you mentioned that. This hostel, when I first went, was mostly kids my age. Yeah. And they've started raising the price a little bit, and now it, it attracts a little bit of an older group. So the last time I went, I was probably the youngest one there. So, so it's 25 to 40? 25 to 45. There was a 55-year-old. Yeah. So there's a couple, you know, people of all, and of, so all sorts you, of ages. So Portugal is your favorite? So this specific hostel was my favorite. And there's a couple of reasons. There's one. So every night they have a dinner and there's the owner's grandmother. She cooks the dinner, authentic Portuguese, three course meal. It's 10 euros. Hmm. And we all sit at this long thing. Imagine a beer garden table. Yeah. So we all sit there during dinner time and they're serving the food and it comes with the 10 euros, comes with unlimited beer, wine, sangria. So we're all just sitting there, and this was the first hostel, actually, I stayed at. So I remember sitting there the first night, and it was just all sorts of, like, kids from all over the world sitting right next to me. We're all just getting drunk, eating this awesome Portuguese food, all connecting, and just chatting away for a few hours. And then as soon as this is all done, they have a pub crawl set up, so we can just go exploring around Lisbon. So they, we're all just finished eating up. And we're like, let's all go out and hang out. And I couldn't tell you how many lifelong friends I've made there. Wow. Cool. And that is very, very yeah. different from another hostel where you're just check a, in, go to your room, in a place do your own that, thing. You know, a place to keep your bag. Right. And this was, when I first went there, this was 25 euros a night. And what is it now? Now it's maybe 38. Mm -hmm. It's still, <laughs> no, it's still nothing, but in the hostel world, that's a lot. Yeah. And when was the last time you were there? In July. Yeah, and you going back this year? Probably. There you go. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> going to Sundance and Portugal. I know. He's, he's living it up. But they, but they mastered the ex like experience. Like The experience there is unbeatable. Now, Wendy, I'm guessing you're not a hostile aficionado. <laughs> Don't mention Never the movie. <laughs> Don't say no. anything about the movie. No, no, no. But what's interesting about what he's saying is I think it's a cultural thing as well. Yeah. Having married someone that's Portuguese, his sisters and his family um, early on were that kind of every Sunday. Italian culture is similar, would do things like that. So I think it's pretty cool that they've incorporated that. A hundred percent. It yeah. does make an experience, especially for someone traveling alone or in small groups to kind they may not have dinner like that every night, but it's good, you know, both ways, financially and socially. And yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think what they've done really well is given 
the people that stay there a story to tell when they go back home. And a family yeah. kind of experience like... Um, yeah, which is part of the story. Oh, you would never imagine it. The grandmother still lives there and cooked yeah. us this amazing meal. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Storytelling at its finest. Yeah. And so, Sean, have you done hostels in other countries, like Ireland or anything like that? Of course. I've done maybe... Uh, have you stayed at John Gogarty's in uh, Dublin? I did not stay there. I've gone there. Yeah. But I've stayed in uh, a couple other ones around Dublin. And actually, it's unfortunate because Dublin has such an awesome scene, but they have probably the worst hostels. Ireland Why is that? in general. They're very unsocial. Yeah. They don't have They're these... utilitarian. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're just hotel rooms, yeah. but dorm, dorm, dorm-like. So... A lot of people would be intimidated by what you describe in the Portuguese hostel. Like, am I going to like it? Am I going to feel yeah. want? It? So it's, but when you get past that, exactly. it's a great experience. Exactly. Right. So you got to, so this is one of the things we want to tell people again, you know, the, this show we're talking about, the, the essential ingredient in having great experiences is a social component and driving that. And, Part of that is you need to break your um, what's maybe comfortable to you yes. and try new things. This is definitely then, getting out of your boundaries. Right, getting yep. a little bit out of your boundaries socially and doing that. Mm-hmm. I remember I took a t- uh, when I was probably about your age. I was in my uh, late 20s. And I went with a couple of buddies uh, to, uh, to Europe. Mm-hmm. We went to a couple of cities in Germany and Austria. And one of the guys I was with his, he had family from Berlin, and we visited his grandfather outside of Berlin, who was in World War II, and he only spoke German. And I spoke a little bit of German. My friend spoke fluent. He translated a lot for us. But we spent an afternoon with him at his house that he lived in from since World War II, and we had you know like a he had cold cuts for us in case of beer. Then another night we went out to dinner with other family, his aunts and uncles. And, uh, it was, it was, that was part of the best parts of the trip. You know, I remember the sightseeing and going to these cathedrals and monuments paled in comparison to the social side of meeting the family and seeing what it was like for them to live. And what's interesting, (coughs) excuse me, when they came back here to New Jersey, they reached out to us and we took them out to dinner here in the U S and it created that sort of I wouldn't call them lifelong friends, but acquaintances who we had a, a, a continuing engaging social interaction beyond right. that one event. So back to the title of the show, do you think you can, it can be too social? I, I, I would say yes. And I would say, think of it like cooking, right? There's, there's a certain, and think of social as the spice to your event or your experience. The right amount is perfect. Mm-hmm. If you if you have none of it, yeah, it's may seem bland, too bland, too much, too much, mm-hmm. right? Too much salt, too much uh, pepper. It's too it's overpowering. So I think you got to get it right. Yeah, and and also think of it more rather than just a monolithic spice metaphor. Think of it as a uh, a mix. You got to get the mix right as well. Of course, the right people because. The right spices. The right spices at the right time. Mm-hmm. So, and again, Karen, we talked about this, and we'll talk about it in future notions, which is how to use technology yeah. to identify what are the right spices in the right situation based on past experiences. So, 
you intuitively know, Sean, by going back to Portugal, that that to that hostel, you know that that's a, that's that's good. It's gonna. But uh, you get into more complex things. What if you brought two friends? Um, may not be the same experience. It may not be as good. It's funny. I actually did. I brought four friends. And then how did they go? It was way different. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was... You're with them and not... Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't really get... So whereas I'm telling you when I when I went in July, I was by myself. Yeah. So I was sitting at the table and I'm talking with everyone. When I went with my four friends, we were sitting at that same table, but we were talking amongst each other. So it, mm. I wasn't as engaged with everyone else because there wasn't a need to be. Mm-hmm. I had my friends here. Yeah. It diluted it from being a bit immer- totally immersive for exactly. you. Exactly. Exactly, which is why I like to go there by myself. Yeah. So we have a, we try to do team events as, mu- as often as we can to create a social component with our team. Right. And uh, we got one coming up. I think, Wendy, we talked, I talked to Jack about it. We do, we'll do like a, a night at Cafe Picasso. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll do it after work one day. We'll just go there. It's a BYOB, bring some wine, and it's, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a great place. You guys have been there before, right? Yeah. No. It's, you never been to Cafe Picasso? No. It's very good. Yeah. It's a local joint here in Somerville. I'm yeah. a couple months ahead of you, by the way. What do you mean? I think we should all stay at like one of the bed and breakfasts in Spring Lake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in May. All right. I was thinking. I'm Wendy, dreaming. where's your spontaneity? <laughs> You're planning something. I'm dreaming about warm weather. Um, but yeah. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyway, my encouragement, because we're you know near the end of the time slot here, my encouragement to people is to really give social uh, some thought in the same way you think about spices and cooking. You know, you got to think about how do I use the right amount of social at the right time to make the experiences that you have um, better, dap- uh, deeper, more lasting. And uh, anybody have any parting comments on that? I think, I think a big part is also stepping out of your boundaries yeah. and uh, comfort zone. Yeah, try new things. Trying new things, yeah. So look forward to hearing about uh, next week when you guys get back on the Sundance uh, experience. Yeah, that of course. That should be good. Yep. Thanks. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks. thanks. Thank you. Right, bye-bye. Hey, this is Karen Bajwa. Thanks for checking out the show today. If you like what you heard, head on over to our website, rumjog.com. If you happen to be in the New York or New Jersey area, come check out our meetup called Digital Disruption. We cover topics like you heard today with a live audience. Lastly, don't forget to follow us on social media using the handle at Rumjog. Talk to you soon.